Hello, everybody, and welcome to One Question with Pastor Adam. And I am Adam, and I am pastor to believers and to doubters, to unfaithful Christians and to faithful atheists. And we all know that Jesus wasn't afraid of questions, and so neither are we here at One Question. So we are going to go over uh, the questions of our day, whether they are religious questions, uh, political questions, whatever questions we have. So uh, today I am excited to have with us a special guest, Melinda Voss, uh, who is with an organization called Better Angels. No, not Better Angels, Braver Angels is what it's called. So uh, Braver Angels is an organization dedicated to doing something that we all know is is important and that is creating a better politics um so there have been a lot of troubling politics lately and we could use some better politics so braver angels is here to the rescue so i will bring uh melinda on and uh friends i know if you have comments and questions about how to do a better politics. I hope that we all have some ideas about this. Uh, invite you to put that in the chat section and uh, we will bring in your comments and questions. So uh, here is Melinda now. Hi, Melinda. Hello, Pastor Adam. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, I really appreciate it's it. It's so great to have you here. And I am fascinated by uh, Braver Angels. I have already made the mistake of calling it Better Angels. So I'm sure that we will be talking more about the name Braver Angels uh, and, uh, and what that name means. Um, so, but thank you for being here and thank you for the work that you do. Uh, it's so important. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into Braver Angels? Certainly. So my background is I was a newspaper reporter for 26 years. I was at the Des Moines Register in Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, I then married one of my best friends in who lived in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I moved up to St. Paul in... 1997 and I went back to school, got my master's in public health and I co-founded the Association of Healthcare Journalists, which I ran out of the University of Minnesota School of Journalism. And I was also an adjunct teaching journalism courses. And then after that, another career I had, I was the public relations director for Minnesota State Colleges and Universities System, which is all of the public higher education in Minnesota except the university. And uh, so th the Minsku system has 25 community and technical colleges and seven state universities. So I had the good fortune to be there for eight years before I retired. Wonderful, wonderful. What, how was uh, journalism for you? Did you enjoy it? Was I it... loved it. Yeah, I loved it. It's uh, I grew up listening to and seeking out different points of views on many different kinds of public issues. I covered very contentious public issues. Uh, back in the 70s, I covered school desegregation and the whole issue of forced busing. Uh, 
declining enrollment when they were when the Des Moines School Board had to close lots of schools, you know, a lot of upset parents and constituents, all sorts of things like that. So, um, and then uh, in uh, at when I was at the uh, state university and college college and university system, we had lots of different points of views there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Hello, Joshua. Good morning to you. And Melanie, hello. Um, how did how so journalism today, the media today gets a bad rap uh, often uh, for the ways that it handles politics. Uh, and I'm wondering if you have any reflections on that. I mean, it sounds like you did journalism uh, in a way that tried to be inclusive uh, of different voices. Uh, and how do you feel about where the media journalism has gone today? Well, I would say there's still an awful lot of good journalism going on in this country. And um, I think that uh, in, the, in the sense that uh, each uh, news outlet uh, that adheres to uh, widely receptive, widely accepted uh, principles of what it takes to produce good journalism um, is doing a very good job. So there's a lot of, you know, local and newspapers and um, uh, television stations that are out to cover uh, the full spectrum of political beliefs and to create both sides and to show both sides and to bring both sides to to um, give them an opportunity to express their views. And so I think there's a lot of good journalism out there. And uh, I feel kind of sad when I hear mm -hmm. the mainstream media being maligned so poorly. Uh, it's not that anyone, any news outlet is perfect, um, but uh, I have to respect any news outlet that follows those the, the well-established tenets and is also willing to admit when it's made mistakes. Mm, so mm -hmm. that's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you have any favorite uh, news outlets or any recommendations uh, that we can follow uh, along with you? Well, uh, I all, every day I listen to the New York Times podcast uh, called The Daily. Okay. Yeah. And every, every time I listen to that, I learn something that I didn't know. Mm. Uh, recently, they did two different podcasts about the conflict in, in between Israel and the Palestinians. And I learned lots of things that I didn't know. And they put it all together in a context in like 20 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, now I have a much better understanding of what's going on there, why it's happening. And um uh, feeling I'm much better informed. So I love the daily. Um, and then uh, I love, I think public radio mm -hmm. uh, is definitely trying to present all points of views. Uh, you know, sometimes though, <coughs> some politicians do not want to be on certain me media stations or media in media environments because they think that, that will harm them politically. And that's that's really sad. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's, so yeah. It's, it speaks to how polarized we are. 
which is one of the goals of better, or sorry, braver angels. <laughs> braver angels is here to kind of bridge the divide, it seems like, uh, of the polarization. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, braver angels? Okay, well, braver angels started out as better angels. Okay. And the reason we took that name was because it's a line from President Lincoln's second inaugural address in which he called on us to um, call forth our better, the better angels of our nature to uh, heal the wounds after the Civil War. And so uh, eventually, however, uh, we were challenged for taking that name by another organization that had also called itself Better Angels. And so we decided, okay, we will change our name to Braver Angels, which in retrospect, I think that's actually a better name because it does take some bravery. It does take a little courage to be, in, to be involved with Braver Angels. So the organization is out to create the conditions such that all sides of, a, of an issue can sit down and talk together so that we can have civil political discourses so that we can learn or relearn, I, I should say, how to disagree in a, in a re disagree without being disagreeable. Okay. Good. So, uh, and we have offer lots of workshops and other kinds of events. We hold debates, we hold town hall meetings, we do various, we have a film club, we've mm. got music, we've got books, book clubs, we've got all sorts of ways that people can come together and talk about issues that are important to them, mm. issues that are the burning issues of the day. And uh, those events are all free. We do not charge. We do encourage people to join Braver Angels for $12 a year. There you go. What a deal. <laughs> it's a deal. And even to donate uh, if you really support our cause. So we, we like donations too. So uh, we really offer skills workshops, which are designed to help people develop skills that they haven't necessarily developed. There hasn't. There isn't a, a, a standard curriculum in the school system, for example, out there that helps you develop skills for, for listening, for speaking, for stating your points of view. Uh, and so we have specific skills training. Um, I have to say that the best thing was that Braver Angels started because these two guys on the East Coast called up this University of Minnesota professor of family and marriage therapy. His mm -hmm. name is Bill Doherty. And they said, Bill, this was right after Trump was elected. President Trump was elected. And they said, Bill, we've got to do something about this toxic political converse, um, dialogue that's going on. We've just got to do something. Can you design a workshop? And so... Lo and behold, he designed this workshop. We call it the Red Blue Workshop. And the first one was done in South Lebanon, Ohio, wow. late in 2016, I think right after President Trump was elected. And it brought together half 
half reds and half blues in that local community in Ohio. And it was, uh, I think it was a two day workshop. And by the end of that workshop, those people came out understanding each other, mm. seeing that, oh, maybe, maybe we've got some common ground here. Maybe we don't think as differently as we thought we did or, okay, that's your point of view. I, I understand now why you have that point of view. So um, all of those things happened. It was judged to be a big success. They did the same thing in 13 other cities and then they formed Braver Angels and we've gone great guns from there. And so we have, there's a very small staff and a lot of volunteers like me. I'm, I call myself a full-time volunteer for Braver Angels. That's good. Um, what, why, what, why does it take bravery to have these kinds of conversations? Well, uh, because as human beings, we do not like to get outside our comfort zones. Mm -hmm. And we are uh, more segregated uh, than we have ever been before in just by where we live. So I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. And that is a, it's like living in a blue cocoon. Mm. It's a cocoon of Democrats. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for me, I find that suffocating. Mm. I mean, I hold those views, but I feel like everyone else, um, we all hold the same views. And it's like, well, what's the other side thinking? What, what do they say about this? And so um, we it's just very difficult for people to even want to talk to someone who does not think like them on political issues. Mm -hmm. Why so should that's why it takes bravery? Uh, I, yeah, I love it. I love it. There's also like a sense uh, because we're human. If we talk to the other side and listen to the other side, people on our side may want to, I don't know, cancel us. That has been come become apparent these days too it's like yeah. we can't even talk to the other side oh my gosh how are we ever going to solve problems if we don't talk to all the people about it I'll, I'll take any issue we need to understand it from all sorts of different perspectives yep yep good um melanie brings up a comment thank you for this melanie uh and um with the, I forget who, who who it was. Oh, it was um, who who was the uh, Republican leader of the Senate? Uh, uh, what was Mitch his? McConnell? Okay, Congress. It was Congress. The guy who oh. just yeah yeah yeah. Oh, Kevin Mac Kevin yeah, McCarthy. Yes, Kevin McCarthy. I couldn't think of his name. Okay. Yesterday, I I heard that he went up to a fellow Republican and uh, hit him in the kidney area and uh, walked away and was like, I didn't do that. And the guy that he hit was like, you totally hit me. And that was not, so there's like this increasing violence within our politics, uh, threats of violence and actual, sometimes uh, real violence. Uh, and it's a scary situation. Uh, there was another uh, Republican in a recent hearing who like was challenging one of the speakers to a fight. Uh, and it just feels like it's just increasing and it's toxic and it's like infecting all of us. Melanie uh, says, 
points to this a little bit. She says, I live surrounded by Republicans and I actually feel unsafe due to their nature these days. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I know, uh, Melanie, how much of that is, uh, you know, uh, 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 not projection, but how much of that is like from our cultural uh, context and um, the way that it forms us and creates us into these hostile binaries with one another. Um, that's part of it. But uh, do you have any thoughts on on that, Melinda? Well, sure. Um, what's interesting is in Minnesota, because Minnesota is dominated by the Democrats, it's the Republicans or the conservatives who feel unsafe and they feel unheard and they feel like nobody is listening to them and they don't have any political clout to even be heard. And they, and they feel as though they were going to be attacked if they express their points of view. And then I go down to Iowa where I still have relatives and it's quite the opposite. Yeah. It's it's there's there's a dominance of um, conservatives and Republicans in that state, and it's the blues who feel like they cannot express themselves. And it's like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. we cannot let this situation go on. We have to change. We have to we have to restore what we used to have yeah. in the 1950s and 60s when I was growing up, mm. and my parents belonged to a national organization, a national group called Family Forum. And every month there would be six couples would gather in one of the couple's living rooms and they would discuss a public issue. And in this group, there were liberals, there were conservatives, and they would get together and they would talk about an issue. And then they would have cake and ice cream. Mm. They, would, they would have barbecues in the summer. Mm. They liked each other. I liked them. I, I knew them. I grew up with them. I, I saw them all having these conversations. So we've been there before. We yeah. can go there again. Yeah, yeah. Joshua says, I believe empathy and compassion have reached all-time lows. Uh, and that, you know, that, that, uh, that again... Like Joshua and Melanie are very empathetic and compassionate people. Uh, but so much of our, I don't know if it's our news or whatever, just gets uh, runs on hostility, it seems. Uh, and so we're just like inundated with it. And we think that it's everywhere, but maybe it's not everywhere. I mean, individuals, as you're talking, Melinda, in braver angels have gotten together and overcome this sense of hostility uh i would imagine can you are there any stories uh from braver angels that you can tell about uh overcoming this well yes just last week we had a red blue workshop in a suburb of saint paul it's called woodbury and so there were eight reds and seven blues in the room. And they, it's, they go, went through a guided conversation. And uh, what I, when I walked in, I was walking in with a red who said, you know, I don't feel like I can really say what I think. Yeah. Well, uh, during the course of that three hour meeting, 
um, what happened is that everyone got a chance to speak, uh, to initially say, how did you get to your point of view? What, how did you grow up? What was your household like when you were growing up? And what was interesting is some of the blues said they grew up in a red household and then they became blues. And some of the reds say they grew up in a blue household and then they became reds. Mm -hmm. So just that alone tells me that uh, we can at least sit down and talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the conversation went on very, very well through the evening. And uh, by the end of the evening, we ask each participant to say, well, what's, what's one word that kind of expresses how you feel at the moment? And, you know, several of them said excited, hopeful. Mm. Um, now, I am, I do not pretend that this is anything that's easy yeah. or that all of those people will walk out of there completely able to talk to the other side. No, it takes practice. That's why we offer a series of workshops and skills training and other opportunities for people to build up that muscle, to be able to listen to the other mm -hmm. side, to be able to feel like they can freely express their points of view. Mm. That's interesting because I get caught up in religious conversations and political conversations, not with the goal of listening to the other side, but with the goal of converting the other side uh, to my point of view. And that might be part of the problem. Uh, I'm sure that is part of the problem that, that we have. Um, so do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do indeed, because Braver Angels is not out to change anybody's point of view. Mm. We, we don't need to change people's point of views. We just are working to bring people together so that they can express their points of view freely and fairly and respectfully to each other, that they can listen respectfully to each other and that they can um, express their points of view respectfully to the others. And here's another interesting example. So we have in Minnesota, we have a steering team for the state. It's the Minnesota Brave Angels steering team. And we just had a retreat. We were lucky enough to have a retreat center, uh, loves Brave Angels so much that they gave us free access to their retreat center. Mm -hmm. So we all got spent a Friday night together and we don't usually have time to talk about issues ourselves because we're talking about the business of furthering braver angels work in the state. Well, this time we started talking about issues, health, education, one thing or another. And it was an exemplification of what braver angels is about. We, we sat and we could disagree and we could say, well, I think this, and what, well, what do you think about that? And it was a magical experience because one of our newer steering team members said, I had never been in a space like that before where I could say what I think and other people could disagree and we could actually come to an understanding of what is, is what what are the things that has that person say that mm. so it was magical that's that sounds amazing melanie is struggling with something that i'm sure many folks uh will be struggling with uh in these kinds of conversations 
which are uh, how do you enter into that space when somebody might like be against your identity or be against who you claim to be? Uh, transphobia, for example, uh, is around uh, quite a bit. And I'm wondering if there are like tools that braver angels uh, can offer us in order to enter into those uh, spaces? Or um, how do you, I, I guess the question boils down to, how do you create a sense of safety uh, for folks when we're dealing with such big, giant issues? Well, this is a difficult thing. It's not easy. But I do think Braver Angels offers an approach and you may not want, like hearing what I'm going to say, yeah. but I'm going to offer it anyway. And the first thing I think there is to do, well, first of all, human beings do not like to hear something that they disagree with. It's very difficult. And they particularly don't like, you know, uh, words that seem to attack their identity. I can totally understand that. But what can be very interesting is if you get curious, mm -hmm. if you get curious about why does this person hold this point of view? And if you can start finding out what led you to say that, what led you to think that, help me understand. Mm -hmm. And if you can listen, 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 this is a skill that uh, it's kind of like uh, maybe maybe karate, you know, has got different black belts and different levels of of being able to do karate and, and all that stuff. I don't know very much about the martial arts, but I just know there's, you know, black belts is like the best or the highest or the mm -hmm. most accomplished. Well, this, I think you could say the same thing is true about listening is there's all sorts of levels of being able to listen to the other side. And one of the highest levels that takes a lot of practice to get to, I think, yeah. is to be able to listen to someone say something that you find even totally abhorrent mm. and just not give and, and not react to it and just say, oh, okay, mm. I see. And not be gripped by it. We're all gripped by this emotional rhetoric and these emotional words, and 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 it takes over our our uh, emotional side. And then what happens is, then uh, Daniel Goleman, in his famous book *Emotional Intelligence*, mm -hmm. wrote about the physiological process that occurs when you lose it. Mm. You know, this is kind of like what happens with road road rage, you lose it. Your amygdala gets hijacked. Yeah. And immediately there is a physiological process. It's a, I guess it's a series of chemical reactions that go through your body that just yep. get your goat. So um, none of us is immune to this. In fact, I had an episode like that at the National Braver Angels Convention in July. I was talking, I was standing in a group talking to some reds and blues and um, 
we were having a fine conversation when uh, this red started saying things. He started using words like always and never. Uh, and, and, you know, and what he's saying was, in my way of thinking, patently false. And so I could feel myself. I was at first I was listening. I was listening. Yeah. I really was listening. But then something happened. Something happened. And like what happened is my amygdala got hijacked because mm. I started I started like trying to counter what he was saying. And so then he and I kind of went back and forth. Fortunately, one of the other Reds, who happens to be a member from Minnesota, said, oh, I think we should bring the tone of this conversation down. That's all he said. And as soon as he said that, mm. I snapped back into, oh, I am just going to listen to this guy. Yeah. I'm not going to try to counter or defend him. He just needs to express himself. Just let him express himself. And so that's what I did. So it's just developing a capacity mm. to listen as you've never been able to listen before. Yeah, yeah. Jessica is getting at this. Uh, she says, talking with people who have different views than I do has given me opportunities to see the things we do agree on. Uh, for example, a classmate who I was concerned is transphobic at the beginning of the semester just gave a presentation yesterday using gender inclusive language and sensitivity. Uh, Jessica goes on to say, I should clarify that was an example of some growth because he wasn't ousted. Instead, discussions were engaged in in that class and we all had learned a lot i get that that speaks to something uh jessica says that he wasn't ousted uh and i think another way to say that might be he wasn't shamed uh and that's where both sides of our conversations on these topics easily go to is shaming the other side and when we start doing that there's no room for the growth that jessica is is getting at here Absolutely. And there's even shaming within each political party, each political side. That's going on too. And that that is not healthy either, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we see it. Uh, I started off talking about um, an example of Republicans doing that. And we see that within Democrats as well, uh, trying to silence one another uh in various ways so uh it infects it infects all of us so yeah um thank you for that jessica um so may i offer one other thing here which please, please. just occurred to me and that is that one of the things that i think a lot of people don't understand is that we actually have shared values with each other with people on the other side and those shared, but those shared, there's, we have a different order of things. And um, of course, I can't remember, there's six shared values that we have identified through research in one thing or another that we have, like freedom, um, order, um, I, I, I really don't remember the rest of them. But the, 
the thing that makes us uh, oppose each other is the order in which we put those values and how we define those values. But we, we really do have shared values. And that is actually another way to help understand the other side is like, well, what are your values? On, what are the values you have underneath your point of view that have you hold that point of view? Yeah, and I think exploring those can be helpful. Yeah, yeah. Loyalty is another one. Uh, is that uh, Jonathan hates the righteous mind? Where he, yes, yeah, yes, where he delves into that. Yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, uh, Joshua says, "How do we bring emotionally dysregulated people to a point where they can trust and listen to the solution of another person?" Well, first of all, I'm not exactly sure what you mean by emotionally dysregulated people. Um, and I don't know, I don't know necessarily how to do that, but, uh, the other thing, <laughs> and this is, again, this is, you're not going to want to hear this. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Good, good. <laughs> uh, this is the truth. This is, this is what I think is the truth. And uh -huh. that is that what would be very helpful for everybody is to give up trying to change their point of view. Hmm. It's not your job. First of all, it, it's difficult, if not impossible, to do that. And it's not your job to change the other person's point of view. Just as it's not their job to change your point of view. And if we even just accepted that as a premise, we might be able to start to bridge that divide where we could say, okay, I'm not going to try to change your view, but tell me about your point of view. Why do you have that point of view? What facts, what information do you, how did, how did you, what informed your point of view? What do you use to get to that point of view? Those conversations could be very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Mary asks, Mary Gay asks, uh, what is emotionally, yes, what is emotionally dysregulated? Uh, Joshua, I'd love to uh, hear uh, what you meant by that. I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, uh, oftentimes I get emotionally dysregulated when I get triggered. Uh, and once I get triggered, my emotions are out of control and I can't listen anymore. Uh, I can't, I can't engage anymore. And I just want to, uh, yell back at the person. Right. Um, and so I think that might be what, uh, Joshua is getting at. And, uh, I think I heard you earlier, like, are there tools that we can that we can use when we get that kind of triggered, that kind of emotionally dysregulated? Well, uh, for me, when I when that happened, that actually happened to me in the example I just described. It was the only tool is to get present to oh, I got triggered. I was triggered. I was triggered by the words always and never. Yeah. And I got triggered. And so what I the lessons I took from that are if someone starts using always and never words, I have to be on aware that, uh oh, I could get triggered here. Mm -hmm. I could get triggered. And so, um, th again, this is I can't stress enough how a lot of what we work on in Braver Angels is um practicing 
listening and speaking skills. And that's why we offer workshops. That's why we have local chapters. We call them alliances so that people can now gather either online or in person. We're doing lots more in person. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. And actually talk about an issue and um, practice listening to each other and practice with people who are also interested in having respectful conversations. It does help to practice with people who are interested in this approach to uh, political discussions. Good, excellent. Uh, how can people get involved with uh, Braver Angels? Well, it's very easy. You can go to braverangels.org and you can join for, as I said, $12 a year. You don't even have to join. You can find an alliance near you. The Braver Angels website is pretty easy to navigate. There's uh, at the top, it says take action. And if you uh, put your cursor on that, then you can become a member, become a volunteer. Uh, you can find your a local chapter. Uh, you can uh, contact us. You can. Uh, we do lots of presentations about Braver Angels to various groups, um, Rotary clubs, Lions clubs. You can invite us to come and do a presentation at 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 a group that you're involved in. At, we do things in churches. We do workshops in churches. I just got a query yesterday from a church in Minneapolis. Uh, they, they're interested in a one of the specific workshops we offer. Uh, you can go to the Braver Angels side, website, braverangels.org, and watch the video of this red-blue workshop that occurred in South Lebanon, Ohio. It's there. It's free. It's fascinating. Excellent. Uh, so do you have hope for a better politics for us? Yes, I do. I do, absolutely, because uh, I think that even though I would say most of us are in that exhausted middle, yeah. like there's 70% of the population that does not like this, feels beaten down, worn out by this toxic rhetoric that's flying around us, 70% of us really do want to get back to those days that where people could sit down and talk with each other in their own living rooms. Um, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm, I'm, I'm clear. Good. We'll get there. Good. Good. I'm glad Melinda. I'm glad. And thank you for the work that you are doing with, uh, braver angels. Uh, if people want to keep up with you or with braver angels, how can they do that? Um, uh, well, um, uh, Let's see. They can, um, I guess, send me an email. Uh, and my email is just very simple. It's my first initial Amazon mother, Voss, V as in Victor, O-S, S as in Sam, at braverangels.org. So it's mvoss at braverangels.org. Um, and, you know, I'll do whatever I can to help you. I did want to say, say to Melanie, though, she said she's like a blue and a in a red environment. And so we actually have workshops called being blue in a red environment wow. and being red in a blue environment. 
Uh -huh. So one of the important points too about Braver Angels that you all should know about is that our leadership is always evenly, evenly made up of reds and blues and purples too. Mm. Some people don't want to declare themselves a red or blue, but declare themselves a purple, kind of a, an independent. Mm -hmm. So our leadership is committed to having Braver Angels be a balanced organization that is not tilted to the blues or tilted to reds. It's we're, we're want, We want to keep it um, right in the middle uh, of that fulcrum, Good. so to speak. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Melinda. And thank you, everybody, for uh, watching and for listening on the podcast. And thank you for your comments and questions, everyone. Uh, we will do this all again next Thursday at 11 o'clock Pacific on the Clackamas UCC page, the Raven Foundation Facebook page, the Pastor Adam Facebook page, and the Clackamas UCC YouTube channel. So hope you all have a great rest of your day. And until next week, God be with you, friends. Bye-bye.